0: right, so tonight we're going to uh, close out our study of the church. Now I know that sometimes when we take four to five months to work through um, a section that it feels like this is never going to end, but we actually are buttoning up something tonight. And if you remember over the last five years that we've been doing this, we started way back um, looking at the idea of epistemology and how do we know what we know, we've studied our bibliology, how, that, that God's Word is the source of truth. We have studied and looked at uh, our Christology. What do we be believe about Christ? We, we have looked at our anthropology. What do we believe? What do we know about man and mankind? Uh, we have um, worked through a soteriology. We've talked about salvation and how God provided redemption. Uh, we've talked about uh angels and demons, and uh, then a- after we finished up that, we've now walked into our study of the church, and we've actually finished this one up. So I want to just review tonight what we've gone over for the last three or four months and just look at what we've, we've, we've known, and, and I want you to see the themes that were running through everything that we've talked about. The first thing that I, I tried to establish was that Jesus established, bought, and owns the church. In Acts 20, 28, the elders of the church in Ephesus were told, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God which He obtained with His own blood. Jesus bought the church with His own blood. In Matthew 16, we read where Peter, uh, Jesus asked His disciples, Who do men say that I am? And they answered a bunch of questions, and then Jesus said, "'Who do you say that I am?' And Peter answered, "'You are the Christ, the Son of the living God.'" And Jesus uh, said... "Or Well, hey, I actually have the verses here. "'You are the Christ, the Son of the living God.'" And Jesus answered And "'Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church.'" He owns the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we talked a lot about how the, the thing that we're a part of is the local fellowship of the universal church that is completely and totally owned today by Jesus. It was bought by Him in, by His blood, and it's owned by Him. He is the possessor of it. And finally, um, He has sent us out to grow the church. Now, the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed him, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always, the end of the age. So we saw that the church has been, been given a mission to complete, and it was given by Jesus. So Jesus established, bought, and owns the church. Jesus provided for the church to have leadership. In that statement where it says the gates of hell will not prevail against it, Jesus promised that his universal church would not die. And for the last 2,000 years, the enemy and his minions have tried to destroy the church. Sometimes is, they've tried through persecution. Sometimes they've tried it through through murder and, and, and trying to eliminate it. And sometimes the enemy has tried to, to destroy the church by infiltrating it and filling it with heresy and false doctrine and weakened doctrine. And in all those cases, he, it is futile. He will not succeed. Jesus' church will be victorious. And so Jesus provided for there to be leadership for the church and that is the, the role of the elder. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of elder, he desires a noble task. And we went through what is required of an elder. An elder meets the qualifications in 1 Timothy 3 1 through 7 and Titus 1 6 through 9. An elder is recognized by the congregation as an elder. And then we looked at the specific verses where an elder's job is to lead the congregation by teaching the word praying for the sheep, and overseeing the affairs of the church. And so God has established how He wishes His church to be led. Jesus has provided for the practical care of the church. In the book of Acts, we read, "...in the very beginning of the establishment of this office, Now in those days, when the disciples were increased in number, a complaint of the Hellenists rose against the Hebrews because of their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution." And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up the preaching of the Word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and wisdom, (coughs) whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose the following men. And so here is established the office of the deacon to serve the church. We talked about how the word deacon in Greece, Dioconus, literally means table servant. The requirement uh, that a deacon is a man who meets the qualifications of 1 Timothy 3, 8-12, again, is recognized by his congregation as a deacon, and serves the congregation by dealing with the practical day-to-day administration of the local church and her ministries. So again... Um, that, that deacon role is a role that is given by Jesus to serve the church. So God has provided for leadership within the church, and then God has provided a means by which the church day-to-day operations are cared for. We don't have to be ignorant to how Jesus wants His church to run. And I think that's important because throughout... Again, church history, the enemy has tried and tried and tried to destroy the church, and one of the ways he does that is either by attacking elders and deacons or warping what those offices are. And there are churches throughout the world, places that call themselves churches, that don't follow this methodology in their church governance. And in in my experience, and just looking at church history, which we are remiss that we, we don't do much of, but if you read church history, you can see that unbiblical models ultimately fall apart. Jesus is pretty smart. We need to trust how he set up for His church to be ran. And so where I see models where uh, which is becoming more and more the vogue for a, a single elder model that has an outside body, a group of men outside of the church that oversees Him, that doesn't work. Because then he can sneak around and do whatever he wants to do in the church and nobody knows. The idea of the elders of the church being drawn from a body and being in that body is the biblical model and any other model is ultimately doomed to fail. Whether it's a model that has uh, an elder that's piped in on a TV or whether it's a model that has multiple campuses or whether it's it, it's all the different models that come down the pike. And about every three or four years, the enemy's going to throw a new fancy, sexy thing down the pike and everybody's going to run after it. And I'm telling you, unless we follow what Jesus, the way he said to run his church, it will not work long term. And church history has proven that over and over and over and over and over again. And we are being played like a cheap violin, as my mama used to say, when we believe that we're smarter than the way the Bible's set up For it to work. So Jesus provided for the growth of individual members of the church. So He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Jesus provided for how we're all going to grow. And that is that the body within itself, is the membership of the body has been given gifts. And we went into great detail to look at what those gifts are. Some are, are. some are given the gift of giving. Some are given the gift of faith. Some are given the gift of teaching. Some are given the gift of service. We looked at those gifts and we saw that the function of the church, the way the church grows, is that when people are obediently following their gifts and that the idea isn't that some top down that the preacher's supposed to be up here and everybody's supposed to follow him but that the body is an organic unit that is built out so that i'm helping you grow and you're helping me grow And when I say that, I'm the only one standing here, but so that Richard is helping Bobby grow, and Bobby is helping Jimmy grow, and Jimmy is helping David grow, and we're all together speaking into each other's lives so that when we leave this place, we're more like Jesus than when we got here. What we need to be doing is speaking into each other's lives and utilizing the the gifts that God has given us. When people sit in a pew and, and say, feed me, and look to the preacher to be the end-all, be-all of the church, then that model will fail. Because the preacher can't be all. and doesn't need, need to be all. What the preacher's supposed to be doing is equipping you guys to use your gifts to serve each other. There is no number one. There is no triangle and we want there to be a triangle because we want to be free to be told what to do. But Jesus said, no, you're free in me. And so that's hard work. And we talked about how messy it is because sometimes I'm speaking to Bobby's life and then Bobby messes up. Every day. Every day. So does Tommy. And so do you. But the plan that Jesus has for his church is that we're all pouring into each other's lives. And so I hope that you see that what we've seen over the last four or five months is that Jesus established the church, bought the church, owns the church. Jesus is the one who provided for the leadership. Jesus is the one that provided for the model of day-to-day provision for His church. Jesus is the one who provided for the way for the church to grow. everything that we do is wrapped up and is all about Him. And so the ultimate purpose of the church is to worship Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's not about North Glencoe. It's not about Tom Harrison. It's about Jesus being magnified and glorified. Again, the thing that I try to do and what I have written in the front of my Bible is preach the Bible, love your people, die, and be forgotten. It's not about me. And I want you guys to understand that I was reading an article a few weeks ago that was saying that most men are saying that the thing that's missing in their lives is the opportunity to be be a part of something bigger than themselves. Oh my gosh! Jesus has invited us to join with the creator of the universe to participate in the Greatest movement that's ever happened. And it will culminate. And we read in Revelation chapter 5, And I looked, and I heard around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders, the voices of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power, and wealth, and wisdom, and might, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and in the sea, And all that is in them saying, To Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, Be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. The ultimate goal of the church is not self-perpetuation, but worship of the King. And so we can start that now. So the last few weeks, what we've been seeing... Is that God's people assembled together, raising our voices in adoration and worship of the King, is the beginning of the kingdom. And we get to participate in that every time we gather when we lift our voices in praise. And so that sums up our study of the church. And I want to ask are there any questions?